Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. After weeks of forceful language and threats of dire consequences from President Biden deterring Russian President Vladimir Putin from a Ukrainian invasion, it happened early on Thursday morning as Russian forces invaded Ukraine, triggering sanctions from the U.S. and Western allies. I spoke to my colleague, the very tired but wonderful national security reporter, Alex Ward. Proof that it's recording. Hi. Oh my God, your face. That's what happens when you sleep like a total of 30 minutes in a 48-hour period. Who laid out the American response so far to the crisis in Ukraine and the lines that President Biden isn't willing to cross. So Alex, the Biden administration has spent weeks warning about this, but none of their threat of sanctions over the past few months has stopped an invasion. So did the administration misjudge Putin? No, I don't think so. I mean, U.S. intelligence was pretty clear about what the intentions were, and there was nothing the West could really offer him to throw him off track. Uh, this was something that he had been signaling for not only many months, but frankly, many years. This is just the largest and most destructive way that he is engaged in this war. Now, there are genuine questions that could be asked. You know, were there possibly things the U.S. could have offered Putin to make him not go to war? Mm-hmm. Was there a way the U.S. could put pressure on Kiev to make it say that it did not want to enter NATO? Um, were there ways for the West to say it's not going to enter the, the European Union? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll never know at this point. But based on the scale of this attack, it's unlikely in my mind and in many analysts' mind that he really was deterrable. It seems yeah. like this 69-year-old dictator decided to make the move and he has done it in the most destructive and, and biggest way that we possible so far. And so we know that the consequences so far from the West are these crippling sanctions, which are still unfolding. And I feel like it's one of the parts of the story that is very in flux. In his Thursday press conference, Biden said, history has shown time and time again how swift gains in territories eventually give away to grinding occupations, which basically shows that the administration is trying to bank on the assumption that Russia's supplies aren't going to be able to last. This is something that they can only hold for a short amount of time. So do you think that's a naive assumption? And from what we know, how prepared is Russia to hold out? So I think the president unintentionally misled a bit because there's no real belief that that Russia intends to occupy Ukraine the way, say, the U.S. occupied Iraq or Afghanistan, hmm. right? I mean, right now, the best analyst guess is that Russia intends to seize the east of Ukraine to the east of the Dnieper River, which roughly bifurcates the country. And then the other goal seems to be to topple the government in Kyiv. They might struggle, to be clear, to, to hold on to Kyiv. That urban warfare gets nasty. And there are other cities that the Russians could be looking at in the, in the east, like Mariupol and Kharkiv, uh, where they could also encounter very intense urban fighting. But the Russians do have the manpower to complete the eastern campaign and complete the sacking of the capital, Kyiv, without trying to occupy the rest of the west of Ukraine, which is virulently anti-Russian. 
So when we talk about the quote-unquote occupation of Ukraine, we're not really talking about Russian forces doing an Iraq or Afghanistan-style holding of the largest country in Europe. Mm -hmm. What we're really talking about is an operation to have greater control over the east of the country and to potentially replace the democratic government in Ukraine that is pro-Western with a puppet regime. And one thing that Biden said in his press conference also that was interesting to me is when he was talking about sanctions, he said, let's have a conversation in another month or so to see if the sanctions are working, which that's a long time if you're a country that is getting bombed. Uh, yes. I mean, I, there's no other way to get around that. I mean, the, and I think, you know, to, to Biden's credit, he was pretty clear in saying that, you know, these sanctions do not have immediate effect. It's not like he makes this announcement, Putin winces and goes, ooh, my bad, the troops go. The pain, the economic pain that will be felt in Russia will be will take time to be felt. Yeah, That may be true in the course of sanctions and economic events. That is of no solace to the millions of people in Ukraine who are suffering bombardment and have been killed already. Yeah. So if you are the Ukrainian officials, if you are the Ukrainian people, you're going, well, we are getting some support, but not a lot in terms of the immediate effects that we have. That's why you're hearing the Ukrainian government so strongly call for uh, a no-fly zone to be uh, put over Ukraine, which, of course, the administration does not want to get involved in because that would imply American warplanes patrolling the skies above uh, Ukraine and potentially getting into dogfights and all other kinds of shooting fights with the Russians, which is just an absolute, it seems like, red line for Biden. Yeah, that was my next question. I wanted to talk about that line that Biden won't cross, and that is send troops to Ukraine. Yeah, so I think he has two red lines. One is that one. He's just not going to send U.S. troops to Ukraine. He told NBC News' Lester Holt that for him, you know, the potential for U.S. and Russian troops to get into a shooting war could lead to World War III. And that, you know, some people think that's hyperbolic. Others think that's fair. But we have to remember, of course, that Russia and the U.S. are the two world's greatest nuclear powers. And so when we're talking about risk of escalation, we're really like <laughs> the ceiling is high here. We can't minimize that that is at least some part of the calculation, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the last thing the world needs is not only the U.S. and Russia fighting each other, but escalating even a small amount the risk of nuclear conflict, which I want to be clear in case that just freaked you out, is very, very minimal right now, like near zero. The other red line, and the one that I found most interesting today in his speech was him basically saying, and actually a senior administration official told me this even before the speech, you know, the, our sanctions are designed to hurt Russia, not America. Mm -hmm. Now, any sanctions official will tell you that if you really want the sanctions to hurt, and especially for economies that are as intertwined as the European one with Russia and to some extent the American one with Russia, then you need to feel the domestic pain that you're not really going to put as much pressure on Putin and his economy unless you sort of take some blows. But, of course, Biden has his own concerns here, right? You've got a midterms coming up. You've got high gas prices. You've got low approval numbers. And the more economic pain you put on a country that, for many people, are living paycheck to paycheck, seems to be a no-go. Biden spoke you know, passionately about this, saying you know, it was personal to him to hear of people struggling when they get to the gas pump. So... This is, I think, a sort of second red line, is that he does want to defend Ukraine. He does want to defend the liberal international order. He does want to push back on Putin. But he's not really willing to put the American economy in the crosshairs at the same time. 
to go into domestic politics, it seems like Republicans are divided in how they believe the administration should handle this. Does that provide some political cover for Biden? I think a little bit, right? He did get hurt quite a bit from the Afghanistan withdrawal because Republicans were united in saying the withdrawal was disastrous. Here we do have a kind of bifurcation in the party where you have what, you know, the MAGA types, let's say, who are going, look, Ukraine is not our problem. We shouldn't be involved. You know, why even risk infinitesimally a fight with Russia? We don't really need to be involved. And of course, my sort of comment to that is like, well, we're doing sanctions, but other than that, you know, it's not like we're really risking a fight here as of this moment. Mm-hmm. The second I would call Asia firsters, um, and this is mostly led by Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, who makes the case that the reason we shouldn't care too much about Ukraine, not that we shouldn't, is because we have limited resources in our defense and security apparatus, and our biggest problem is China. And so the more we focus on Ukraine and Russia, the less we focus on China. Mm -hmm. And then the third part, and frankly, it's the biggest part at the moment of the Republican Party is, yeah, you know, screw Putin, (laughs) help Ukraine, basically backing Biden and, and saying that whatever the administration needs, like Congress is here to help. There are differences, of course, between Republicans and Democrats on how to help, but it does seem like the majority of the Republican Party is on board with, you know, pushing back on Putin as much as needed. So one of the difficulties always of recording about this, at least the past few days, has been how quickly the news moves and how how quickly things can change and really escalate. We're about to head into the weekend. What are you going to be watching most over the next couple of days? Uh, Well, if you were already sad, it's about to get sadder. Uh, I think the fall of Kiev could happen this weekend. Um, It is definitely in the realm of possibility. I talked to a a European official not long before coming on here who said, expect it, right? The the rapid fall of Kyiv was the direct wording. Uh, It is something that U.S. intelligence officials and and U.S. defense officials and others have said publicly. Uh, The chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, said, look, the Russians could get to Kyiv in about um, 48, 72 hours after the incursion starts, um, which would fall well within uh, the weekend timeframe. And just before coming on here, I talked to a spokesperson for um, the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, and I asked, you know, are there plans to leave Kyiv to escape? Mm-hmm. He said, no, the government is still functioning. You know, we're, he's still in charge. But um, I'll tell you, there are people who believe he should have a helicopter on his roof ready to go at any moment um, because the Russians are making their way and they have shown a ruthless desire to bomb cities and take territory. They're on their way. I hope it doesn't fall, not only just this weekend, but ever. But uh, that is something we have to brace ourselves for. Alex Ward, thanks for talking with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Also today, Senator Jim Inhofe is expected to announce his retirement in the coming days, which would likely trigger a special election to replace him this fall. The 87-year-old Oklahoma Republican was elected to another six-year term in 2020, but has missed more votes than usual recently and told reporters in December that his wife was sick. And three former Minneapolis police officers were convicted Thursday of violating George Floyd's civil rights. Tu Tao, J. Alexander King, and Thomas Lane were charged with depriving Floyd of his right to medical care when Officer Derek Chauvin pressed his knee into Floyd's neck. Tao and Lane were also charged with failing to intervene to stop Chauvin. 
Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. Dispatch's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan, and our senior producer is Jenny Ament. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.